0: And welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you. That's it. I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it, Melissa? Um, It's a day that's three days after the beginning of the fall Time in the calendar year.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's also
1: Saturday.
0: Uh uh Yeah. And it is, it is your birthday. It is
1: my birthday. Yay.
0: Yay. Happy birthday to you. Keep going. I'm not going to say. No, No, keep going. (laughs) No, seriously. Happy birthday, Melissa. Thank you so much. Yeah, it just kind of worked out that we got to record on your birthday. And I mean so um, lucky. It's probably more exciting for me than it is for you. But happy to be here with you this morning and Sharing this wonderful, sharing a part of this
1: wonderful day with you. Thank you. I think I've managed to not acknowledge that I even have a birthday for four years on this podcast. You have. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. You couldn't get away with it this time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That works. That works. Mandy, I'm so excited about this episode. People seem to really love the last weeks and, of course, think this is a banana story. And so I am excited to share the conclusion to this because, wow, wow, wow. Like, I can't believe more things can blow my mind in this story, but they really do. Me too. Me
0: too. So yes, we are back to our discussion on the strange death of Stephen Minio, the cult of Sherry Shriner, and the conspiracy belief that there are reptile humanoids plotting our demise while holding positions of power in our society. Last week, we dove right into this story, and we learned a lot about this so-called reptilian theory and how it was involved in a bewildering shooting that left Stephen Minio dead. It wasn't immediately clear how Stephen died, though, because his live-in girlfriend, Barbara Rogers, gave a perplexing story to the police. Barbara was actually the one who dialed 911 that night in April of 2017, and she told the operator that there had been a horrific accident in which her boyfriend had forced a gun into her hands, pointed it at himself, and made her pull the trigger. If you missed part one of this story last week, then you will definitely want to go back and listen to that one before you go any further on this one. So just a quick recap of where we left off last week. Barbara Rogers had been questioned by the police for hours immediately following the shooting. Her demeanor could be described as frightened, tired, confused, and really upset. Barbara told the officers that she and Stephen had been engaged in this ongoing feud with a cult run by a woman named Sherry Schreiner, and the basis of this cult was that the lizard people who rule the world are out to get us all. Reptilians are the enemy, and it goes on and on. Barbara said that she and Stephen had been out for a few drinks at a local pub, and that when they returned home, Stephen insisted on going outside to practice shooting his gun. But when they got back inside the apartment, Stephen allegedly became distraught again over this cult drama and allegedly told Barbara to take the gun and shoot him with it. At first, Barbara said that Stephen was standing up when this happened, but evidence showed that he was actually sitting on the floor when he was shot, which Barbara later did change her story to reflect. At the end of part one, we concluded with officers feeling confident that Barb had shot Stephen on purpose and they felt comfortable charging her with his murder. But the investigation into Stephen's death was far from over, and things were not exactly as black and white as they seemed to be on paper.
1: As the details of this case began to emerge, there was a connection made between this story and another story that happened five years earlier. On December 29, 2012, the body of a 22-year-old woman named Kelly Pingley was found in a snowy field in Waterloo Township, Michigan. Her coat was folded neatly next to her body, and there were indications that Kelly had died by suicide after taking a bottle of sleeping pills. A group of kids who were playing near the field decided to follow a set of footsteps they saw going into the field and made the heartbreaking discovery. As officers began to investigate the tragic death of this young woman, it became clear that there was a lot at play. Kelly was not a woman who had anything major in her background that would really help officers understand what had actually happened to her. According to interviews given in this six-part docu-series on Amazon called The Devil You Know, Kelly was very loved and very cherished by her family. She was the daughter of Laura and David, who both loved their daughter immensely. Kelly had a lot of friends, and she had really great close relationships with them all. A group of four of them were kind of drawn together as a group of misfits. Kelly and her four closest friends would hang out together often, and they all loved really different things about Kelly. Her friend Rebecca admired how smart she was and how she excelled academically and understood things really easily and was even able to break those things down and help teach these concepts to her friends who may need help with them. One thing Kelly's friends have in common is that they all agreed that life would never be the same without their sweet friend, Kelly. So what happened that led to this apparent suicide of a woman who was by all accounts not suicidal? Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, you probably assumed where this is going already and that Sherry Schreiner's cult was somehow involved in Kelly's tragic death. And you would be right. Right.
0: During high school, Kelly's friends started to notice that Kelly was becoming increasingly interested in cults and conspiracy theories, and she was spending a lot of time on the internet reading about and researching these things. At first, Kelly would tell her friends about the theories that she found interesting, such as the whole can of worms that is the Illuminati, and Kelly would watch and show her friends videos demonstrating proof of Illuminati symbolism in the mainstream media and how they brainwash us through celebrities and entertainment. Things like that. We've all heard of these kind of theories. They're all they're everywhere right. on the internet. You can read about them. So Kelly also watched Sherry Schreiner videos, and she listened to her podcasts. It's thought that she was led to Sherry Schreiner through her internet sleuthing about the Illuminati. You know how that goes. One rabbit hole leads to another. You get off on tangents. You're off researching something you never intended to be researching in the first place. <laughs> and it now, happens to me
1: all the time. <laughs> and now you're worried about your internet search history. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: So eventually, though, Kelly's beliefs escalated into thinking that she and her three closest friends were all actually angels. This was something that she came to the conclusion of after listening to Sherry speak on how there are these angels among us and that people who have been through a lot of trauma are often these angels. And the reason they have such terrible things happen to them, according to Sherry, is because the evil forces of Satan are against the angels from the moment they're born. So their whole lives, they're just destined to have nothing but hardships and terrible things happening to them, which is a terrible thing to tell people who follow you so it's just awful that she even would put this kind right. of idea into people's heads. So Kelly told her friends about this and they were like, kind of like, okay, you know, I don't think we're angels. I don't think, you know, but they weren't really, they weren't really going to be argumentative with Kelly about this. Right. So other friends of Kelly also learned about Sherry Shriner through Kelly, and they all agreed that whatever Sherry was preaching or teaching was weird and kind of preposterous in some degree. But at some point, according to her friend Brittany, everyone just accepted that this was like Kelly's religion now. And they understood that everybody believes in different things and they wanted to be respectful and supportive of their friend. Brittany said it was after Kelly's parents got divorced that Kelly started to seek outlets to help in her faith, and that's how she got hooked on Sherry Schreiner. Eventually, Kelly became so involved with Sherry that she actually offered herself up to transcribe Sherry's podcasts and her radio show for free, which
1: don't Whoa. ever,
0: ever do that, people. That is so much work. I cannot imagine. Doing something I like know. that for free, oh my! There's and, there's nobody I love that much that I would do that for free. That's a lot of time spent. Not even us. Not even I would. Not even ours? I, Well, <laughs> well, then I
1: wouldn't be doing it for free technically. But true, 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 true. <laughs> um, I is Sherry's podcast. Do we know if it was like a daily show? I would think something like this is going to be daily, or you know, to keep somebody into this kind of a thought pattern, I would think this has got to be like. A, a daily show, right? Yeah, I, I know she was on like
0: blog talk radio and see, as we've said before on the show, I wasn't very knowledgeable about podcasts in general before we started doing this podcast. And so I don't really know how it was back when she first launched, you know, her whole right, thing. Right. But um, it did seem like po- they were using the word podcast, but it was just really like another, I mean, I'm sure it was like a podcast, but it was like just an audio you know, that she released got it like
1: an internet audio show. Right,
0: exactly. And then she also had her YouTube channels that we mentioned before, where she just had these really terrible graphics that would play, you know, flash across the screen, um, subliminal messaging you while she spoke of these crazy ideas that she had. But yeah, so it was kind of like a podcast, a little internet radio talk show uh, that she was doing. And People listen to her. She obviously had enough of yeah. a following, you know, that she was able to uh, keep these – the audience that she had, you know, they were staying engaged in, in her content. So, Right. Yeah, so – It just seems
1: like – I was thinking if it's a daily show and, I mean, she's committed to helping this woman, that is a lot of work. It would be a lot of work just to transcribe whatever the heck we say on this show. Right. Let alone – Something like that, that I truly believe would be a lot more frequent than what we're able to do. I just imagine even
0: trying to transcribe anything that Sherry said and just having to go back and pause because I would be like, wait, did I hear that right? Is that, <laughs> is that what she actually said? So it would take me a lot longer probably to get through transcribing something right, right. like
1: that. Just like question marks everywhere yeah. on the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So once Kelly started working for Sherry, though, things went downhill really quickly Sherry got Kelly fully involved in her cult and in the belief system that she peddled, and it began to take over and control Kelly's entire life. Keep in mind, Kelly's only in her early 20s at this point. So she's, you know, 22 as an adult, but you're still very young and very impressionable, especially with adults in your life that you look up to and that you 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 aspire to be like them. So Kelly is still at a very impressionable time in her life.
1: And let me tell you, the further you get away from that time, the (laughs) the younger it seems
0: (laughs) yeah definitely Uh, so kelly began dabbling with this organ rock that we introduced into the story last week and we said that it was this mythical rock that is meant to kind of ward off evil spirits ward off these vampires keep you safe from harm from these these different entities that Sherry wanted you to believe we're out to get you. So the Oregon Rock, I don't think I actually mentioned. Everyone's probably like, well, what is it? You know, what actually is it? So it's actually a bunch of different things. Um, I don't have the information directly in front of me. I'm just kind of going off of memory from last week's research. But it's like people can make this. Sherry actually had instructional like videos on her websites about how you can make your own Oregon Rock, which – then leads the you know lends the question like what is so special about it right <laughs> you know if I can just cook this up in my you know in my garage or whatever but it's like just rock pieces of rock with like you can put it into like a mold and then you pour cement I don't know it's just a bunch of rock basically hardened huh. together like a bunch of flecks of things little pieces of silver and like just a bunch of ran- it's like scrap metal put into concrete and like that's right. it. That's your special thing that's saving you from all of these you know, evil spirits and stuff. So Kelly began dabbling in this. And as I said before, people took this very seriously. So they really believed in this Oregon rock and the power that they you know, felt that it had. So Kelly started not only using the Oregon rock to protect herself, but she also was offering some pieces of Oregon rock to her friends because she felt that they needed protection as well. And although her friends did think This was a little weird and silly. As we said, her friends really respected Kelly. They loved her and they humored her. They didn't give her too much of a hard time about any of the stuff that she was into, which I just love her friends. I really love them. Right. They just seem like the most wonderful people like ever.
1: Yeah. And just want to support her and they think, okay, this is weird. It's not hurting anything. She seems happy. She wants us to be happy. We can kind of go along with it and think it's weird on our own time. But like she's doing this from thinking that this is really helpful so you would go along with it
0: right so but at this point though sherry had a very strong hold on kelly her friends really didn't know they they on the outside they thought she was still kelly and she was still hanging out with them and her life still seemed to be pretty much the same other than she was really interested in these internet things that she was reading about right it wasn't until after kelly died by suicide that her friends and family really learned the extent of it And we're going to get into so many more details of this after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
1: The older I get, the more recovery I need after things like exercising or just waking up. While I know the great benefits from ginger, like alleviating muscle tension or soothing aches after a workout, I didn't really know how to incorporate it in my life until now, thanks to ginger essential oil. That's ginger with two J's. Ginger is the new high quality, all natural ginger essential oil that we truly love.
0: And using ginger essential oil means you have options. You can diffuse the oil in the air so you can inhale it to get the benefits, or you can massage it right into your skin. Ginger uses a special extraction process that removes the micro impurities, giving you a higher purity ginger oil that you can actually put on your skin, unlike other essential oils. That's because ginger comes pre-mixed with jojoba and evening primrose carrier oils. And using it directly on your skin gives you the
1: added benefit of nourishing your skin and reducing skin inflammation. I started using ginger after workouts, especially on my shoulders and neck areas where I tend to hold a lot of tension around the clock. And I'm thrilled that I can just pull it out and use it directly on my skin since I don't need a carrier oil. If you're like me, if it's not easy, I'm just not going to use it. But with ginger, it is easy. Plus, thanks to the convenient dropper, I also know that I'm getting the right amount taking that guesswork out for me.
0: For any moms who are pregnant or breastfeeding, just make sure to check with your doctor before trying this amazing essential oil. Trust us, you'll love Ginger as much as we do. And right now, we have an amazing deal to get you started. 20% off your first purchase. But you have to go to us slash moms. Don't wait. That's ginger with two j's slash moms. There's never been a better time to take care of yourself than now. Whether something in your life is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, the licensed professional therapist with BetterHelp want to help you become the best you this year. BetterHelp is professional counseling that you can do right from the comfort of your home through weekly video or phone sessions.
1: I've used BetterHelp over the past year, and I can't tell you what a relief it is just to get out all my thoughts to a professional without ever having to leave the house. I deal with anxiety and depression and have most of my adult life, so just having someone I can talk through with different scenarios or those immediate big problems that pop up in life has been really invaluable, especially this last year.
0: Of course, anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential, and best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. Whether you're struggling with family issues, sleep, stress, or more, BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours.
1: In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash moms. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking a little about Kelly and her relationship with her friends and the more she was getting indoctrinated into Sherry's cult. So before Kelly died, there were other concerning behaviors besides just the Shriner cult stuff. Kelly had actually quit her job and dropped out of college without telling anyone for several months. She started writing long letters to her friends explaining what was happening regarding these evil forces on earth as if she was really trying to educate her friends in order to save them. Her friends were obviously put off by this. The letters were really, really out there and they talked about how there was this race against time and the evil forces were already on earth. So Kelly's involvement in all things Sherry Schreiner came to the top of the crest when she started telling her friends that she believed in something called astral projection. Astral projection is not something I have ever heard of. Mandy, is this the first time you've heard of this? No, I've definitely heard of this. <laughs> oh, my word. I just feel like such a noob in the words of my kids. This feels very sus. I've not heard.
0: <laughs> so this was uh, this must have been a journey for you then learning about it through this episode. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes, all of this has been a journey, Um, one that I didn't necessarily take completely willingly. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. So astral projection, for those of you who are like me and have no idea, is this term for this out-of-body experience that some people believe you can actually have voluntarily. So believers in this think they can control their astral body, which is their soul, and can choose to travel outside their physical body to travel around the universe, which means that flights are really, you know, (laughs) nonsense. Talk about a cheap flight. So Kelly believed that she was capable of astral projection and she started practicing it. This eventually, though, leads to some terrifying claims. Kelly ends up telling one of her friends that while she's off on these astral travels, she was being abducted by reptilians and aliens who were doing horrible things to her, which if I was her friend, I'd be like, let's stop doing this. This is not good, you know? And I'm sure that's what they were saying. And of course, her friends are trying to convince her to get help, but Kelly declines to speak to a professional about any of these things. I'm sure Sherry's back there saying, you don't need that. People just don't believe. They hate all that stuff. But even though all of this is going on, no one expected or even had a thought that Kelly was suicidal or that she had any plans to take her own life. So the immediate reaction when Kelly was found dead was just shock and disbelief. The evidence that was found at the scene and an investigation into her last days painted this picture to officers what they believe had happened. They say that Kelly drove her car to a nearby county and parked in a public parking area and walked through a wooded area and into a field. She sat down in the snow, removed her jacket, folded it, and placed it next to her. It was also learned in their investigation that Kelly had stopped at a CVS on the way out to the woods, and she bought a pack of 30 sleeping tablets, and it appeared that she had taken all of the pills. She was also found wearing a necklace with an Oregon pendant. Near where Kelly had parked her car that night, officers found a white bag that was full of all the journals that Kelly had been keeping. After Kelly's tragic death, her friends and family began to discover the depths of the things that Kelly had been investing her time in. Her journals, letters, and blog entries contained long, rambling rants where she shared her beliefs, her fears, and her concerns. In one letter that was found with the journals, Kelly directly addressed her parents. The note said, quote, I'm off to fulfill my destiny. And then she had a smiley face. I love you all sorry, I can't tell you where I'm going. I don't know when I'll be back. So I wanted to make sure you all knew that I loved you. Smiley face. Also, sorry about the car.
0: Oh my gosh, that just broke me when I read that, that that they found that after her death, because I just can't imagine being her parents and not only having to, to find out that this happened to your daughter, but then getting this letter. And it's, there's just so many questions, you know, that are left unanswered. And it's just really heartbreaking. Yeah. So this letter, along with other writings of Kelly's, led some of her friends and family to question whether she even intended to take her own life that day or if she thought that she was just going somewhere else and that she would be back. Some of the things that she wrote actually led them to believe that she thought she was going on a mission, not that she was intending to die. In fact, even the journalist who contributed heavily to the Amazon docuseries that we have mentioned a couple of times agreed that it didn't seem like Kelly actually wanted to or even thought that she was going to be ending her life that day. The general consensus was that Kelly believed she could travel to heaven and then come back. Unsurprisingly, Sherry Schreiner preached about exactly this type of thing. She claimed that there were angels in the flesh who've been sent here to be the Lord's army on earth and how these individuals have ability to travel between heaven and earth. And additionally, Sherry would send her followers on these missions where they would go to New York or to Kentucky to battle what she said was the new world order.
1: Hold on. Uh (laughs) New York, I understand. Uh-huh. Kentucky I don't I
0: know I Where, <laughs> what in <isn't> Kentucky <laughs> it's just a very yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: it's a very specific one when you think New York the next one isn't normally Kentucky that I think no, no offense yeah. to Kentucky I think people in Kentucky would say the exact right. same thing those are two very s- different places maybe the new world order
0: presence is strong in Kentucky we don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know I feel like Jax Taylor is there from Vanderpump Rules so I don't know he's got right. a wizard person that's fine <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Kelly would go on these trips, and then she would come back and tell her friends these crazy things that she helped you know, to liberate these beautiful turtle people from a government prison, and she would say that if it weren't for Sherry and her followers going on these missions, that New York City would be at the bottom of the ocean by now. So when Kelly first started following Sherry, she believed that she found her true place, and her new beliefs were really just a reawakening of sorts. She began keeping a blog in January of 2011 where she wrote mostly positive entries about feeling spiritually awakened and really sound. But over the next couple of years, the things that she wrote on this blog and that she shared became darker and less rooted in reality. Kelly wrote about having visions and hearing voices, which some suggested could have been signs of schizophrenia that had gone undiagnosed, but others believe that Kelly was simply brainwashed and driven to the brink by an incredibly evil woman. That would be Sherry Shriner. In part one, I mentioned that we didn't really know a ton about Sherry Shriner or her background, and that is true. But according to the docuseries, Sherry did have a religious upbringing and background, and she even attended Liberty University and obtained several degrees from there. But obviously Sherry chose to go a completely different way with things, and she really strayed far from the Christian teachings that she herself grew up on. Sherry would tell her followers things that were simply just not true, such as that they were angels, as we mentioned, and that they had some magic powers and were capable of reaching a higher level of spirituality than everybody else. These messages had the power to really penetrate the psyche of her followers until eventually they became so detached from reality that they actually believed they could have these divine out-of-body experiences and then return to their earthly body. This is what Kelly's family and friends believed happened to her, and they blame it all on the predatory and twisted actions of Sherry Shriner herself, which I don't blame them. I would At place all. the blame totally on Sherry in this case. Absolutely. Yeah. So you may be wondering what Sherry herself had to say when this young woman, who had not only been a follower of hers, but as we said, also had been working closely with Sherry to transcribe her audio sessions. What did she have to say when this young woman was found dead by suicide? What probably won't surprise you is that Sherry didn't take any responsibility for what happened. But what probably will surprise you is where she placed the blame for Kelly's death. So Sherry actually claimed that a NATO death squad murdered Kelly. And yes, I mean that NATO, the major international alliance institution (laughs) involving 28 countries from Europe to North America. So essentially, Sherry was saying that the government had Kelly killed. For transcribing (laughs) things? Yeah, yeah. And why would they do that? So, well, Sherry actually had the audacity to spin this insane story about how Kelly was supposed to kill Sherry on one of their mission trips to New York City. And this was an assassination that was allegedly ordered by the White House, but Kelly couldn't bring herself to do it. So according to Sherry, quote, Kelly just pissed people off because she didn't kill Sherry.
1: Oh, like the people that sent her to... Kill Sherry yes. were mad because she didn't kill Sherry. Okay, yeah, got it. This is what she's saying, yes. And Sherry also said
0: many times in many of her uh, ramblings that she was number two on President Obama's death list for eight running years. Because Wait, she was Sherry dressed. is
1: number two? Yeah, yeah. Who was number one? I, <laughs> I
0: have no idea. But Sherry was number two for eight years straight. Wow. That is were, the whole presidency. They were presidency. really out to get her. Yeah. yeah. They were really out to get her. Uh, So furthermore, Sherry used the tragic loss of Kelly's life to assert even more control over her followers by inciting more fear that Kelly's death was proof that the reptilians, a.k.a. the people in government, truly were out to get them and that there would be more strange deaths like Kelly's. So Sherry said that she needed her little tribe to rise up now more than ever against what she called the, quote, alien new age. This is so twisted. It's really the best word for it. It really is. It's just disgusting and disturbing and just all those like terrible words to describe uh, the actions of a person and a person themselves. Like it's unbelievable that she was able to do this
1: Yeah. But fear is a huge motivator. We I mean we've learned that in just about everything. I think back to that uh family cult from a few weeks ago. Or not I shouldn't say family cult, but the guy who took over the David Reans family and it was all fear. And so if you think this is oh my gosh, somebody's now died, this is getting worse. You know, you fear makes you do, you know, things you would never do. So Right.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Very true. So Sherry published these diatribes on one of her numerous blogs called Truth Seeker Blog, which interestingly was run by Stephen Mineo. Wow. Interesting to me that both Kelly and Stephen worked for Sherry and, you know, that kind of brings us full circle with our story and gets us back to where we started with Stephen's bizarre death and what ended up happening with his girlfriend, Barbara Rogers.
1: At the end of last week's episode, we left off with Barbara being arrested on murder charges in the case of Stephen Minio's death. But as you can see, this wasn't just a simple open and shut kind of case. In the weeks that were leading up to Stephen's death, he had been on a crusade to expose Sherry Schreiner for what she was, a false prophet and a general phony who was preying on people and ruining their lives. Not only were Sherry's teachings directly harmful to the mental health of her followers, but she was also profiting from things like selling this Oregon rock on her websites at ridiculous prices for a piece of rock. Stephen said he wasn't interested in getting any kind of revenge on Sherry. He just wanted to get the word out there and hopefully be able to help others see the truth about what was going on before someone else got hurt. Just weeks before his death, he actually acknowledged Kelly Pengelly's death in one of his videos where he said, quote, I can see the damage that she causes people. I heard a woman named Kelly killed herself, end quote. But just like Sherry deflected after Kelly was found dead, she did the same thing after Stephen was shot dead. Not long after the word got out, Sherry released a video where she immediately went on the attack against Barbara, saying that she, quote, morphed her huge teeth out, in quote, before she killed Stephen. So I guess becoming a lizard before she killed Stephen? I guess. What a crazy thing. Just crazy things to say. Just to
0: put out there. Just bananas.
1: Well, you can picture it, right? Like this like cartoonish image of that happening thanks to movies and stuff. So I can see if you're freaking out like, oh my gosh, if that happened, if I truly believe that, like that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She claimed that God had spoken directly to her, which was nice of him to talk to her and not the officers, and told her exactly what happened that night in the little apartment where Stephen was killed. And she placed the blame solely on Barb, who she said she had tried to warn Stephen about for years. Sherry claimed that Barb was most likely, quote-unquote, triggered to murder Stephen after the two of them watched a Resident Evil movie which Sherry said, quote, drew out a demon inside of her, end quote. This is
0: just so ridiculous beyond words. That's yeah. it. There's, yeah. there's no <laughs> words. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. You said it.
1: Beyond yeah. words. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, this is just like pulling, pulling at straws. This is just absolutely, I, I don't know. So Sherry was invited on talk shows and news radio shows following Stephen's death and in an interview with WILK News Radio on July 19, 2017, Sherry said that she was not a cult leader and that she simply loved and served the Lord. And she claimed in this interview that Barb was a practicing Wiccan witch who had killed people before. So not only is this <laughs> accidentally crazy, you know, thing happened with Stephen, but she's done this before. And the radio host said basically, hey, you can't say that. That's not true. Right. And Sherry was like, well, the police need to investigate her. Which. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, it was. I, I listened to the clip there where she was going off about this, about uh-huh. all these things that she allegedly just knew about Barb, that she had been, you know, she was a murderous woman, had killed many people before. And and yeah, the, the host of the show, this was not on Sherry's personal, right. um, you know, channels and platforms. This was on a real live radio. And the you know, the radio host was like okay yeah she had like she has not killed other people there is no proof of that or anything to suggest that like you can't just come on here and say that you know what are you talking about but like this is just going to show the level that sherry like she was committed to her story and what she believed and she was just going to share it with everybody who was willing to listen
1: right and as this investigation did start to heat up Barb's family said they really weren't included in any of it or kept in the loop at all. Her ex-husband and father of her kids had to find out things from YouTube videos and the news coverage. He said no one really ever came to talk to them or interview them, which I feel like, especially in this case, would have been so important based on what he went through with Barb and, you know, her decline, that it would have been important to have all the information as it is with any case. But this one, it feels like extra important.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. So investigators and prosecuting attorneys felt that they did have enough to charge Barb with murder, but they also felt there was still plenty to investigate in this case. So they actually reached out to Sherry by email, hoping to get her to agree to have an interview. The assistant DA in Monroe County was a man named Andrew Crokel, who at the time had never tried a homicide case before. This was his first one, which I feel like to me it's always interesting when you see cases where it's the first time that a prosecutor has ever prosecuted a murder case or a you know detective has ever investigated a murder because I feel like in general and this is not saying anything bad about people in those professions but in general the first time you do something it's not your best right like you yeah you get you get better with practice and you get better as you learn and you grow through your career and so if it were me in a crazy case like this and if I was Barb I. Would not want a first time, you know, a first timer on my case. I would want somebody who was more experienced, knew a little bit more of the ins and outs and what kind of options, you know, that there were in terms of how to prosecute this case and things like that. And so,
1: I yeah, don't know. I kind of
0: I I kind of felt I kind of felt like she drew the short end of the stick a little bit there getting a first time, you know, first time homicide dete- for you know, sure. prosecutor.
1: Of course that doesn't mean first time like they've never done it, just maybe first time they've led it. Like obviously right. they've done all right. that. But I get it. Like I definitely don't want to advertise to me. If this is your first time, just don't tell me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to know that because I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head. But yeah, it would it would stink, especially for the prosecution, so I mean, she can't do anything about that. It's just that's who you got. And that's just, you're stuck with it.
0: Right. So shockingly, or maybe it's not that shockingly, since Sherry was pretty full of herself, she did agree to meet with the attorneys and talk with them. And they set up a time for an in-person interview. But in a twist no one saw coming, Sherry Schreiner unexpectedly dropped dead in January of 2018 before this interview could ever take place. So... Sherry allegedly died of a heart attack and some people have their own conspiracies about the fact that she died when she did but yeah. she was she really wasn't like super healthy she was actually quite unwell she had a lot of health issues she was a heavy smoker and apparently it had, had heart attacks in the past and you know it really isn't that surprising that she died of one but the timing is definitely a little strange and un- it's kind of unfortunate really when you think about it because yeah. she died at a time where now no one would ever be able to speak to her, you know, directly about these things. So Sherry used to explain away any absences due to her illnesses and um, her health problems by saying that Satan was making her sick. Of course, it always comes back to this idea, right, that the evil forces are out to get her and that, you know, they're trying to kill her. And she even once said that she never lived her life as if she was going to be here six months from now or a year from now. She was just set on getting things done while she was here and while she could. So investigators had to really press on with their case without Sherry's input, whatever that would have been worth, you know, in the first place. It's truly hard to describe what Sherry's followers were like and what the reaction was to her death um, among her community. Most of her followers actually continued to applaud her efforts, and they vowed to continue in her mission. The cult of Sherry Shriner managed to take her sudden death and spin it in a way that bolstered their existing beliefs. They believe that Sherry did not actually die, but
1: rather she was taken by God before Satan could get to her. This is some L. Ron Hubbard nonsense. This is basically (laughs) the exact same thing that happened with him, that they say that he never really died and he's just fulfilling his mission somewhere else um, with Scientology. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But remember, this was not a cult. And um, Sherry even once said, quote, I'm moral, ethical, grandma, no dirt, so they try to run with the cult label to try and slam and discredit me. Amusing that my chat room of 10 people who get together to chat, pray, and talk about world events is a cult. I don't think that would hold up in court as a defense, end quote. And for the record, Sherry's family never did release an obituary or really officially acknowledged her passing in any way, shape or form. So as I said, um, there are conspiracies about her death in itself, you know, that go along with that. Did she actually die? Is she off somewhere else? Personally, I think she died because Sherry Schreiner does not strike me as the kind of woman who could ever sit in the shadows and just keep her mouth shut. So I don't think that I don't think she would ever just disappear unless she actually did pass away.
1: Conspiracy theories about conspiracy theories. That is some
0: Reddit yes, levels I
1: didn't know we would get to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I couldn't be happier. We're doing it here on Moms and Murder. <laughs> All right. And we're going to get back into the rest of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Sponsors.
1: For me, the feeling of being too hot puts me into a full tizzy. When I feel myself getting irritable for seemingly no reason, the first thing I do is knock the AC down a few degrees. And I know firsthand that not being thermally comfortable can absolutely affect your mood, which is why I now turn to my Ember Wave. By simply pressing a button on my Ember Wave smart wristband, I can immediately have a cooling or warming sensation on my wrist.
0: The sensation you get from Ember Wave is really an inside job. Emberwave works with your brain and body to help make you feel more comfortable in a matter of minutes. The idea is actually based on the science of how your brain and body respond to temperature sensations. For me, the best way to explain how Emberwave works is to say it's magic, but the second best way is to imagine that feeling of being really cold, but then you're holding a warm cup of coffee,
1: or at night when you flip the pillow to the cool side. Emberwave works to give you those sensations. EmberWave uses thermal sensations and delivers a brand new category of safe, non-invasive, and natural solutions that help to leverage the body's response to temperature. So whether you're wanting to help control hot flashes, sleep better, manage stressful moments, or more, EmberWave has you covered. When I'm feeling like my insights are on fire, I simply press a button on my EmberWave and immediately get the sensation of coolness, helping me to keep my cool.
0: You can try Ember Wave risk-free for 30 days. Ember is offering our listeners $50 off. To get this limited time offer, go to embrwave.com moms and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That's $50 off your order today. Go to embrwave.com
1: moms. Making the decision to live a healthier lifestyle can feel really overwhelming, which is why having tools to help you is key in any new program and why I'm a big believer in Noom. Unlike other programs, Noom uses a cognitive behavioral approach that actually helps me learn more about why I eat the way I do and how to make changes to improve how I'm eating without being on a restrictive diet. Noom knows we are all different and one size does not fit all.
0: Whatever your goals are, Noom can personalize a weight loss program that's tailored to you. And if you're looking for results, Noom is where it's at. With 80% of Noom users actually finishing the program and over 60% of them sticking with their goals for at least a year.
1: I'm part of the over one year crowd, and it's the first time in my life I've stuck with a program that actually works and I feel good about. With Noom, if it's a birthday, I eat a piece of cake and I don't feel bad about it. There's no guilt, it's just cake. So there's not this extreme way of eating that I've had on other programs where if I eat the cake, I have to start all over and I've failed. For me, I want to feel better, and that's really my goal with Noom. And if I feel like I'm going off the rails completely, I'm able to connect with my empathetic Noom specialist for a pick-me-up. The Noom app also gives me access to tons of lessons about food, things we never learned in school, and using Noom for just 10 minutes a day has really changed my way of thinking of food as fuel and not my enemy. Start building better habits for healthier long-term results.
0: Sign up for your trial at noom.com moms. Again, sign up for your trial today at noom.com/moms. That's n o o m.com/moms.
1: It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated.
0: Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more.
1: And now back to the episode. So before the break, we find out that Sherry is dead, but not dead, according to some of her followers. She's on a mission. She'll be back soon. You know, keep the lights on for her. And now we're talking about the death of Stephen Minio and the case that the prosecution is making against Barb. And prosecutors really have only one goal in this case, and it's to prove that Barb had murdered Stephen on purpose and in cold blood, and then they could lock her up for life. Defense attorneys were, of course, trying to prove that Barb did not have any intent to shoot Stephen and that the whole thing was an accident. One of the expert witnesses that the defense team used was a ballistics expert named Emmanuel Kapelson. He was also an expert on use of force. His role for the defense was to take a look at all the evidence, the photographs of the crime scene, and to analyze them to determine whether or not Barb's story was true. Basically, they just need to figure out, did this happen the way that she said it did? So one of the tests that Emmanuel conducted was a recreation of the moment the gun was fired. So they have a gun placed into a woman's hand while a man put his hands around hers and squeezed the trigger, just like Barb said happened. When a gun is fired this way, The shell casing remained in the chamber, which was consistent with what happened in the case of Stephen and Barb. There was a casing that was left in the chamber of the gun. So according to this expert, that part of the story checks out and is plausible. Emmanuel's final opinion was that Stephen was shot at point-blank range with the gun directly up against his forehead and that his own hands were wrapped around Barbara's hands, causing her to pull the trigger. It was his opinion that Stephen was responsible for firing the shot that killed him. But investigators were convinced that Barb was this cold-blooded killer, even becoming somewhat verbally combative with her during her very first interview. They kept hammering to her that, you know, they know that she shot Stephen and she shot him on purpose. Barb's defense later points out that she said the word accident 24 times during her first interview, and that she really tried to convey to them several different times that she never wanted to kill Stephen, that she loved Stephen, and she would never shoot him. But the officers just never really believed her, and they refused to listen.
0: Barbara's first-degree murder trial began in March of 2019. Her story never changed, and neither did her pleas of innocence. She told the jury exactly what she had told the police, that the shooting was an accident, and she didn't even think the gun was still loaded when they returned to their apartment that night. Before the trial officially began and before the jury was brought into the courtroom, the judge asked Barbara if she would like to accept a plea deal in which she could plead guilty to third-degree murder, which was a charge that would carry a sentence of 10 to 15 years as opposed to life if she were to be convicted of first-degree murder if she went through with the jury trial. Barb declined to take this plea deal, and she proceeded to have her case in front of a jury. Prosecutors allege that Barbara intentionally shot Steven and could have prevented his death herself if she truly wanted to. And I do see where they're going with that. Sure. Because with just with gun safety, like, why would you even put your hands on the gun in the first place? If you really were uncomfortable and wanted to get out of there, you could have just been like, I'm not while this is going on and the gun is out. I'm leaving. You know, um, right. she you know, I I understand their angle. there, saying that she didn't even have to have her hands on the gun at all, which I can I agree with them on that. Right. So once both sides had presented their cases and the jury heard way more about Sherry Schreiner and her belief system than anyone would ever want to know, the judge gave the final instructions for the jury. Something that the defense was very upset about was that the judge did not give the jury the option of deciding that the shooting was an accident. They were to decide on charges of either first-degree murder, third-degree murder, or a complete acquittal. Her defense felt this was really unfair to Barbara. Unfortunately, the end result wasn't what they were hoping for. While the jury did acquit Barbara of first-degree murder, they found her guilty of third-degree, and she was sentenced to 15 to 40 years in prison. So in order to meet this criteria for third-degree murder, the jury required proof of malice or knowledge that the conduct in question could pose a threat to human life, but not an intent to kill. So that kind of goes back to what I was just saying about She may not have intended to kill him, but she still took actions that night that led to his death that she could have not taken. Her defense team immediately requested leniency due to Barbara being a mother, having previously served in the military, and having no criminal record prior to this event. Her attorneys felt that the sentence given was too high, while Stephen Minio's family felt that it was too light. Barbara's ex-husband felt that Barb should have been convicted of manslaughter at the most, but that she really didn't deserve to be found guilty of murder, and she should have been found not guilty by a reason of insanity. Barbara's daughter, Alina, spoke really emotionally in the docuseries about her feelings regarding her mom being a convicted murderer, and she says that it's just really hard for her to imagine that this is the reality and that her mom chose to live this life you know, of conspiracy and live in fear and live in this tiny apartment with this guy in Pennsylvania. And it was so different from the life that she could have had with her family in Florida and with her daughter. So her daughter says that's been like the hardest thing for her to accept. Um, but her family pretty much seems to think that as far as the cold-blooded killer narrative goes – um, that that's just not right. how that's not the way that it is in this case.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I feel so much for her daughter. That that would be so tough. But I do think so much was just they were preyed on by Sherry. Yeah, and you know, oh, it just makes me so mad. So a case like this certainly brings about a lot of emotion and hard to handle feelings. And the third degree murder conviction led to some mixed reactions. Prosecutors wished that she would have been given more, but they said they understood why the judge did what she did. Stephen Minio's mother was far more upset, saying, quote, What happened to my son is permanent. Her sentence should be permanent. It was totally unfair, end quote. Others thought that this death was a very strange and very tragic accident, but that Barb wasn't a cold-blooded killer who belonged behind bars for the rest of her life. Many people, including her defense team, felt that she posed no threat to anyone, Unfortunately, this is just one of those cases where justice served doesn't quite feel like justice served. Yes, someone did answer and pay for Stephen's death, but it's not a very satisfying outcome when you take all this cult stuff into account and the fact that Sherry Schreiner didn't even make it around long enough to answer for herself. So Barbara was sent to the Pennsylvania State Correctional Institute at Cambridge Springs to serve her sentence. Barbara did seek an appeal and tried to get a new trial on the grounds that the evidence that was presented in this first trial did not support the conviction she received and that the judge who presided over the trial should have allowed the jury to consider a lesser charge of involuntary manslaughter, arguing that the shooting was a quote unquote reckless act and not a premeditated murder, which I agree involuntary manslaughter sounds makes the most sense to me in this story. Me too. Barbara also said that when she was first taken for questioning, she was in such a shocked and disoriented state that she would have been unable to even give a trustworthy or accurate account of what happened that night. She felt her punishment was too severe when taking other things into account, such as her mental health issues. A new judge read over her request for an appeal and determined that Barbara did not have the grounds for one at all. His opinion was that the evidence presented at her trial did not support an involuntary manslaughter conviction anyway, so it pretty much wouldn't matter if the jury even had that as an option because it didn't meet the criteria. He also determined that Barb was informed of her right to remain silent, and she chose to waive it that first night when she was speaking to police. In the end, the appellate court concluded that the trial court, quote, did not abuse its discretion in imposing a standard-range sentence, and Rogers' discretionary sentencing challenge fails, in quote. Essentially, they're not going to hear her appeal. They actually upheld her conviction earlier this year, 2021. So something creepy and downright aggravating
0: that we can't go without mentioning is whatever happened to the cult of Sherry Schreiner. We mentioned that in the wake of her death, her followers banded together and. In- basically vowed to continue in Sherry's name to carry out whatever it is that their mission was. To this day, there are still active blog sites and social media pages for Shriner followers, and you can still purchase Oregon products and books of Sherry's, which begs the question, who is cashing in on all of this now? Yeah, Someone's clearly running things, right, uh, behind the scenes, and they're still cashing the checks and collecting the money, and as terrifying as it is, this thing appears to still be going on to some extent. (sighs) Um, I refuse to actually look this up and find out myself, so I don't know for sure, but apparently Sherry still has an active Facebook page, and her followers still post on there and reshare old posts of Sherry's, but like I said, too scared to look, don't want any trouble, I'm not going there. So So the journalist who was, as I said, a major contributor in this docuseries, um, I think I think I mentioned his name last week? It was Tony Russo. He is a really, really smart and gifted journalist. I love him. I didn't have time to watch all six hours of this docu series. I watched a little bit of a couple of the episodes, but I love this guy. So if you um, love good journalism and just like a really compassionate journalist. Totally check out this docuseries. He was so great in it. Um, He really took one for the team, though, and he tried to kind of infiltrate Sherry's circles after her death so that he could get a better idea who was kind of running things and to what extent. So he went on there, and he followed Sherry's Facebook page, and he noticed that the same few people were the most vocal and active, and he determined that there was this kind of hierarchy now, and it goes something like this. So at the top of the hierarchy, you would have had Sherry, and then you have her daughter, Melanie, And then there are two other women that appear to be in the picture, a lady named Marianne and a lady named Beverly. And so Tony Russo, as I said, determined that these were kind of the main people, Um, her daughter Melanie, and then these other two women were the ones kind of running things. He came to this conclusion because he noticed that Melanie, the daughter, was responding um, to things from her own social accounts and from Sherry's account. So that led him to believe, obviously, that her daughter is the one running the social media pages, at least that one. So the ministry – if you want to call it that, continues to gain I new don't. followers. No, I know. I, <laughs> I would. I would really rather not. Um, but it continues to gain new followers even to this day. And something they touched on a little bit is uh, in the docu series is that you know there's this really booming kind of growth in interest in conspiracy theories right now. And you know we mentioned in the first part of this that. There were so many people, you know, how many, I think it was 12 million that believed in some alien reptile conspiracy theory. And his numbers are actually growing, which is like so shocking. And so it makes me wonder, are the numbers actually growing? Or is it just people like me who are like, let's go waste a bunch of time and like look into this like crazy right. stuff. And that's how, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's more traffic on these videos and stuff. I don't know if that means it's actually growing, but um, I, I don't know. I just, I, can't, I I refuse to believe that it's a growing movement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. So for one final thought in this case, Barbara's ex-husband said that he wants the world to know that Barbara is not a monster and what happened is absolutely terrible, but that Barbara had got caught up in something that was way beyond her. And he said, quote, my kid's mom is really just a very timid person who is very mixed up and she needs help end quote. Mm. And uh, as I said, there's a lot of information out there on this case. And you could have a heyday really just going down all of the different rabbit holes with this one. But after watching some of the police interview footage, listening to that 911 call, just listening to Barb's family talk about the things that happened to her and kind of her general decline in life, I feel terrible for Steven Minio's family I feel yeah. terrible for Barb's family. I just I feel terrible for anybody who has gotten caught up in something like this in a Sherry Shriner kind of situation. It's right. like we said, it's not you know it is it's just as served, but is it really you know at the end of the day, it's just yeah. very it's terrible.
1: Nobody's gonna get what they want in this story. It's just somebody's lost their life and somebody's having to pay for it. It's it's really sad. Um, I will say after we posted the first part in our. Patreon, a couple people mentioned that there is a podcast called the Opportunist Podcast, and I think it's like a whole series. I haven't oh. listened to it. I'm assuming you haven't listened. No, oh, I know no. you haven't listened to it either. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I want to check it out after. I wanted to wait, of course, until we were done doing our two parts to hear that. But that must be even more in depth. So if you enjoyed this, that might be a good one to check out um, as well. I'm interested to see what else um, they have because I'm very interested in, in this story. Yeah,
0: definitely. All right, Melissa. I think... That's it for our two-part episode on the Cult of Sherry Shriner. So um, before we get out of here for this week, we are going to do a little last thing before we go. And <laughs> this week, I have something Yay, for you. Yay, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah we've been kind of like switching back and forth a little bit lately, so it's been kind of nice. Okay, so we're going to do a little autumn or fall would you rather. I don't have too many. I only have a few. So what we'll do? Uh, we'll do these and see what you would rather. Okay. I feel okay. like I got the rules. Let's go. These these are going to be very, very tough questions for you. Okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Would you rather give up canned cranberry sauce for the next five years in a row or give up lemon heads for one year?
1: Okay, so I don't think I've had lemon heads for a year, so <gasps> I would rather give those up. I know. Wow. Okay, yeah, cranberry sauce. But I will say last year I made your cranberry sauce like brie whatever things and it was mm. amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm
0: I'm already looking up on Thanksgiving recipes. I'm pinning and saving and yeah. keeping track of cuz I just love I love Thanksgiving food. But yeah, those it, things were so good.
1: They're so good. So I will give you – I can understand the appeal of regular cranberry sauce, but I'm canned all the way. I will not give it up. One year, I didn't have it, and I was so pissed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So here we go. Would you rather only eat candy corn for a month straight <sighs> or only eat popcorn for a month straight?
1: Oh, oh man. My teeth cannot handle popcorn. Just – You ever get like one kernel stuck in your, oh, I can't even think about it. (laughs) We have a wonderful listener named Catherine who is obsessed with candy corn. And um, I will, in honor of her, I will say I would eat candy corn for a month. I think I would go popcorn. I'm telling you, I get too angry with the popcorn kernels. I don't know what it is.
0: And see, I don't even dislike candy corn. I actually do like it. My issue with candy corn is that it's just so sweet. So I can literally just eat like two or three pieces and I'm done. But otherwise, I don't hate candy corn. I don't, I mean, I know it gets a lot of hate, but I kind of like it. I like that sugary wax. (laughs) Just give it to me.
1: I will say that's the easiest way for me to figure out if I have a cavity is to eat a piece. I'm like, oh, yeah, it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, next one. Would you rather compete in a bobbing for apples competition in front of a live audience Ooh. or get completely lost by yourself
1: in a random cornfield for six hours? Mandy. You know how I am in stressful situations. Absolutely <laughs> not. I would be convinced I was going to be murdered the whole time. So I actually don't even care. You could say I have to do it nude on the air, but as long as people are there, I will do the apple thing. And I can so wear my socks. So you're bobbing for apples. Yes, I'm yeah. bobbing for apples. You can your socks.
0: Okay, funny. Alright, that's so funny that you said something about socks, because the next one is, would you rather be forced to wear a ridiculous Halloween costume every single day in October, or give up wearing socks for the whole month of October?
1: Easily. I will wear – if you saw the things that I walked out of my house and you'd be like, is she wearing a costume? <laughs> She'd look better in a costume. Um, So that's like very, very easy for me. I will never give up my socks. I put them on before we started recording. I just need the coziness. I love it. My yeah, son wears we- them now and it's so like – I'm like, we've never been closer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, I love Halloween and love dressing up. So I feel like I would I, – I mean – and I barely wear socks anyway. Well, I do now, but – Yeah,
1: you've been wearing them. Every time you I see know. me a picture, I'm like, wait, what? You're wearing I know.
0: socks? I know. I have been lately, but uh, I could totally wear a costume. I could give up the socks and wear costumes. Ugh. That would be fun. Mm. Okay. Would you rather meet a real vampire mm-hmm. or meet Sherry Shriner? <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs>
1: Um, hmm. Uh. actually, I think I would rather meet Sherry Schreiner. Well, yeah, I think I'd rather meet Sherry Schreiner. I think I would, too, than a real vampire. Yeah. I'm so, like, I just think I would have a lot to offer a real vampire. They can never find my veins, so I feel like I'd be <laughs> a challenge for, you know, a vampire. So I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, last one, last one. All right, would you rather go pumpkin picking at a haunted farm or – <laughs> Or – Listen to Rick Astley's "Never Gonna Give You Up" on repeat for
1: forty-eight (laughs) hours. Honestly, listen to Rick Astley. I miss him. He hasn't been a part of my life for a while. You gave him up. I did not. He was taken from me. My son's on to something else now. It's just something. Your son gave him up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, he can. While Rick Astley can't give you up, my son can.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, that that is where we're going to leave things off then for this week. Uh, Melissa, a very happy birthday to you. Another trip around the sun. I'm so happy that you are here on this earth. And... that we do this
1: thing, that we do this podcast thing together. Yes. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. We will be back next week. Um, And if you, in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We never really plug that, but we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're not on Facebook that much, I have to be honest, but Twitter and Instagram, you can find us there. Um, If you haven't left a review of the show, can I do that thing where people do on my birthday? Like for my birthday, will you leave a review? Right. Um, if you want to leave a nice review, uh, that would be awesome. What else can I try and get out of this? Um, right. Yeah. Get it while you, get it while you can. Yeah, we have a Patreon page <laughs> if you want to listen. <laughs> no, we oh yeah, do, and we like, do add- have a
0: new we have a new okay. Patreon coming out soon. Um, for our yes September Patreon will be coming out um later this week. So yeah, so check that, that out be- if you're interested video because yes we don't know why but it's video i'm so excited i got a ring light so i'll be perfectly Ooh. lit yes I'm trying to up my game with our video quality. So we're going to see how it goes. We're still testing all the things out. So if you get in now, you can watch us flounder for a few months before we figure it out.
1: Yeah, or <laughs> ever figure it out. So yeah, do right. that. And uh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, Criminality, We I did a new episode this week. I'm really trying to pull out all my stops on uh, the assistant that like tried to kill David Spade. It's crazy. Oh, um, But if you want to listen to that, that is a fun one.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. Well, we will see you guys back next week. Same time, same place, new story.